Well, I'll start off uh, with my prediction on the shutdown, and that's that it's not going to last throughout the day, maybe into tomorrow, but that's about it. I think uh, a lot of people yesterday were moving to, uh, well, I don't want to say question, but think that we had probably ran the gambit of uh, what, what we could do, and we've made our point. We'll see what happens. What do you think on the shutdown? I think it could go a while. But I'm glad for your optimism, though. That's me. <laughs> it is, you, know, you have Fresno State, I have Nebraska. We we're both should be optimistic. So, well, I really believe, uh, like Devin, that uh, our trade agreements really give us an opportunity to expand our economy. Uh, it and. Uh, by doing so, of course, uh, growing jobs. Uh, and so how do we do this? And I, and I think particularly TTIP, uh, we focus on, we've focused a little bit in our committee on commerce and energy and commerce and the commerce manufacturing and trade subcommittee in which I have to uh, say that uh, if there's one slight criticism of uh, commerce, energy and commerce is that we've never used our trade jurisdiction. Uh, our trade jurisdiction encompasses uh, uh, all that is not uh, fiscal related or tariff related. So when we talk about TTIP and, and balancing our policies, either harmonizing or recognizing or whatever other option there is out there, uh, that comes under our jurisdiction and uh, frankly it just there's been a few opportunities to use that, and we haven't before. Uh, and I think it's particularly with TTIP, uh, most of that, if not all of it, is going to be harmonization or recognizing each other's policy. And so we've held a couple of hearings. Some of you have been part of those hearings. Uh, we have focused on uh, our... U.S. manufacturing, and particularly in, in uh, steel, in auto manufacturing, pharmaceutical, and technology. And all of them have policy issues that we need to resolve. Uh, particularly, and in, in, we'll focus, and then we'll even start some hearings later this fall and early next spring, on automobile safety and where Europe is on their policies. Uh, medical devices, FDA, uh, their policies, and frankly, I think there's room for us to recognize uh, or work with their um, medical association on uh, their ability to get drugs to the market quicker than the U.S. We particularly focused on the artificial pancreas that's been in use in uh, Europe for years, but yet our FDA won't even recognize their data or use their data. So I think there's room we can improve there. When we get to technology, uh, that is one area that I really believe we don't want to harmonize because they are so focused on the individual and protecting privacy, there's a reason where we are 99% of the innovation. And so we have to find that 
line uh, between their policy that actually harms innovation in Europe to where ours, well, I think, uh, does anybody know what the U.S. privacy policy is? Yeah, neither do I. That's because there really isn't a national policy. And if you even look at Ways and Means Committee, and I'm sure you guys have had this same discussion, uh, but you could put 10 of us together and you're going to come up with 10 different parts of the spectrum on where privacy should be uh, in our laws. And frankly, the fact that we haven't uh, passed laws in essence or developed that hardcore privacy has really allowed the, the innovation to flourish. And I think that's a lesson we need to focus and maybe teach the Europeans on this. Then when we get to the Pacific side, it is more about uh, having and uh, forcing them, whether it's India or others, to really recognize the importance of our intellectual property and protections. And so we've held a hearing on, basically it was an India hearing, although we disguised it and made it sound more generic than that. Uh, but when you have a country like India, that when an American pharmaceutical company moves there, they just take over they 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 take over the patent and start manufacturing it and start exporting. Uh, and yet we're doing virtually nothing in this country to stop that. And so that's uh, when we talk about the preferences, uh, the bill that I introduced is to insert one of the preferences, and this is a ways and means bill, uh, but to insert one of the pre uh, preferences that uh, if you're an emerging country like India, that you can be disqualified from preferences if you are not protecting intellectual property. So those are some of the issues that we're working on, and I'll yield now to the gentleman from Fresno State. Thank you, Lee. Well, he's actually Cal Poly, but uh, he yeah, represents have Fresno State. <laughs> a couple of years ago, uh, Fresno State uh, played in Nebraska, and I will say that uh, the people were very nice uh, until about halftime when the game was tied, then they started to get kind of nasty, and then Nebraska pulled away, then they were nice again. <laughs> yep, that's the way we work. So, by the way, it... It was, it was fun having Devin there, but it was slightly embarrassing when we went to this area uh, called the Champions Club, which is uh, tailgating, and he knew more people there than I did. <laughs> that just shows you you need to get around more. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, first of all, Ripanda, uh, for having both of us here. It's been... Uh, uh, in case you didn't know, Lee and I were up till about 3 a.m. last night, and luckily the Democrats didn't offer a motion to instruct conferees. Uh, and uh, I guess to this morning, about 9:30 or so, the Senate comes back in, and supposedly they're going to table our our latest uh, gambit. So that kind of leads me to the point of you know I don't know how long this shut shutdown is going to go, but the longer it goes, I think the farther we fall behind on trade issues that uh, and other issues that we need to get to. Uh, now there is a possibility that if we could ultimately get to a conference, maybe that's an area where we could get tax, or not tax reform, but uh, the debt limit within the 
confines of the debt limit, perhaps get tax reform and some of these other things that have been stalled moving. Uh, that's kind of a Hail Mary pass, but that's about all we have left at this point. And as it relates to trade, I'm getting concerned that there's not a lot of pressure uh, from the administration on TPA. Uh, we were talking over here at the table earlier. I think that's probably on purpose. I don't think they want much uh, input from Congress and they just assume that they're just going to come to Congress and they're going to say, here, we got this done, now pass it. Um, t and, and I will say that uh, that they do, that USTR does do a good job of keeping us uh, informed on the committee. Uh, however, there's a lot of other members that need to be informed too. Uh, and uh, we had a letter last week that uh, Tim Griffin and Adrian Smith uh, from Nebraska and Tim Griffin from Arkansas led with, by, it was bipartisan and uh, pretty much got rejected out of hand by USTR. And this is a, this is a major problem. So what I'm trying to do is not only uh, try to do a temperature check on TPA, but unfortunately I also have to do a lot of educating on TPA because uh, most of our members that were here weren't here for TPA. And uh, the thing that I think members need to understand is even if they're not going to be for the trade agreements, they should be for TPA because without that, you have an administration just doing whatever they want to do uh, without any guidance by the by the Congress. So that's, uh, I, I still, I'm convinced that we will get uh, TPP. Uh, probably, I think it'll probably close end of this year, first part of next year, and maybe after the election, we could actually get to passing it, possibly, uh, unless the government stays shut down the whole year, which would, you know, I told my colleagues I was only for shutting down the government as long as it was permanently shut down. <laughs> so, with that, we're uh, welcome, and thank you, and I guess we'll get to questions. Oh, seeing none. <laughs> Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> Yeah, given the last time that Congress passed trade promotion authority, it was a Republican Congress given to a Republican president, then President Bush. Uh, given that 30 of your guys don't even trust your own leadership, and probably 230 of your guys don't trust President Obama, how do you see getting the votes for out of Republicans or giving this president trade promotion authority? How hard a lift is that? Well, that's that was the point I just made. It's which is which is if you want no say these agreements are going to go forward because we don't need TPA in the House to pass it. You know, we could just go to the Rules Committee and, and get it done. Uh, I just don't think that's the right way to do it. And so it, what it really takes is it takes a lot of educating of the members to see if we can come up with, with the votes. I mean, look, I, I'd like to be able to pass it with just Republican votes. I think it's possible. Um, but likely in the end, you'll have some members, for whatever reason, will just want to vote no, would, like you said, they don't, you know, maybe there's nothing they're going to like, um, and maybe they won't follow the leadership, so we may end up being Democrats, but I mean, look, there's a lot of, there is a lot of, there's more, I think, free trade Democrats today than there were 10 years ago, so, but, but we too need to do, and we're in the process now of actually doing this unofficial whip, and, and we have members that are helping do that, uh, we're trying to kind of ship take the temperature of members that may come from areas that we think could sense some, some hesitation to trade. Yeah, what do you think is the prognosis for solving the GSP problem? Well, 
I mean, we have a lot more than just GSP out there on the on the agenda, on the trade agenda, and uh, you know, along with the miscellaneous uh, tariff bill and others. Uh, my guess is that we're going to have to get some bicameral, all sign off on all parties, something that comes at the very end that we just kind of have to pass quickly. That's probably how this is going to come down because there's really just between government shutdowns and debt limits and everything else, there's just no no one's focusing on on trade, and and you know, even the Ways and Means Committee is fully occupied by tax reform. Uh, and not to mention we have this IRS investigation going on, not to mention we have Obamacare, which Lee's committee is, is also involved in. But there's just not a lot of not a lot of time, and unless the president, the president doesn't really seem to be making trade a, a high point of his agenda, I think really all he wants to do is TPP and the European agreement, which, you know, the European agreement could be a ways off. But, you know, they're not even looking for passage of TPA right now, so could be a while. Stay tuned. Uh, there was somebody over here. Yeah. So you talk about IP and you've talked about TPP. One of the concerns is the administration's lack of support for some of the IP provisions as it relates to pharmaceuticals. Any thoughts on, as you've talked to USGR, where that lands? It seems to be the one of the last things you're going to table. Yeah, I mean, I'd be a little... I mean, right now I can I can say that uh, the relationship that I have with Ambassador Froman is very good. I mean, I think they they keep us they they do do a very good job of keeping us informed. Without that's without question. I mean, there's just going to be at the end of the day, tough decisions are going to have to be made, and they're not going to be made by you know the bureaucrats. They're going to have to be made by the politicians, and that's where that's why you guys get paid the big bucks. <laughs> Try to figure out what we're doing. Uh, customs re-off? Any chance that happens this year? I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to see, I'd like to, we at least would like to get to a hearing. But part of the issue is, is that, you know, we've been in every, I'm sure you guys know this, but we've been in daily meetings on tax reform. Yeah. So including another one that starts here at 10 o'clock. So it's... Taking up a lot of where is interest deduction? Talk to Dave Camp. <laughs> I've never seen a group that uh, that that believes in Omerita as deeply as Ways and Means. <laughs> Everything's classified there now. The new Intel committee. <laughs> new Intel. That's funny. Boy, that's true though. Well, that was going well until about a week ago. <laughs> Comments on that and what Congress might be able to do to help at least maintain or restore the commercial part of it. Yeah, I mean, look, we're going to continue to press ahead. I think there is a need for for actually just straightening out and organizing all the dialogues that we have going on uh, with, with Brazil. Uh, they are an important uh, partner. You know, we really want them to do well in the, in the southern hemisphere. Um, but I don't know that, you know, with this election going on now, with all the mess that we have here in this place, I thought the prospects, the, the goal was to pass some legislation before, in or either right before or right after the president, President Dilma came to the U.S. But as you all know, she went to the U.N. and bashed us for, 
while, so it's going to make it a little harder to get that done. It's not a good way to uh, win friends and influence people. Uh, I do have a great relationship with the with the, a lot of the leaders in Brazil, and um, and our we hosted a big delegation here uh, of congressmen last week. They're actually forming a, a U.S. Uh, Brazil friendship caucus in their uh, in their Congress. So I think. At the end of the day, the, the, I mean, we can't deny that it's a major setback, no question. Uh, and it's obviously being overblown, probably because of the the election that's coming up. But we'll see. With regard to the TPP, we're finding that the administration is willing to sacrifice some really quality provisions just for expediency and getting it done. Things like the investor state provisions that are really important for companies that are going to invest abroad. Um, do you have any suggestions for what we can do to try to get them to focus on the details of the issue and stop worrying so much about getting it done at the time they want to? Well, the first thing we could do, if you guys really want to be helpful, is we have to educate members on the TPA, on, on why we need TPA. And I think if we were to assert our authority on that, uh, the faster we could do it, the better off we would all be. But I just, I mean, look, we're trying to go out there now and, and talk to members, but, you know, I mean, look, we've got shutdown now. I mean, how long is this going to go for? And we got debt limit. So what are the odds that we're going to be able to get something done? I don't, I just don't know at this point. So, uh, you know, I would hope that uh, the folks that are interested in trade would be and we're reaching out. I know that our the, the trade subcommittee staff is trying to reach out to the community uh, to to try to get all of you to, to start talking to members. Uh, because, as I said on a on a on a different issue, you know, even though we had 90 members and I wasn't one of them that signed a, and you may have signed it, Lee, that signed something to USTR and to be rejected, that's not a good sign, right? I mean, that's. I mean, 80 members is a significant number. Japan's a latecomer to the TPP negotiations. Do you and y'all have any feeling for whether they'll be part of the final agreement? Clearly, autos and agriculture. Yeah, it, the major issue for us with uh, Japan and the trade agreement is the automobile industry, and they have been very protective in Japan, and they're uh, and they're insisting on their continued protections. Uh, although they'll increase, I think uh, you know Ford could now sell three vehicles instead of five. Or I may be exaggerating by one or two. Uh, and and so it, it's interesting that we've had all of the automobile companies come in and say oppose that trade agreement if Japan gets in there. And so that makes it a lot more difficult. But, uh, you know, if we need to press them in opening up uh, their markets. Do you think they'll actually give in on agriculture as well? Well, of course, coming from a, a beef state like ours, uh, we like selling as much of our products. So our two biggest exports in Nebraska is beef by far and then corn and grain and uh, so frankly uh, we feel better I at least from my position is I feel better about the Pacific Rim agreement than the European and most of our ag fight <coughs> is gonna uh, be on the European since they've used some of their laws to uh, 
and rules and regulations regarding antibiotics in our beef and poultry and pork to be uh, used as a bar. Of course, they do the same thing in Europe. It's just that their drug is different than our drug, so therefore they ban ours. Um, and, and so I think actually the agriculture, agriculture part on the Pacific uh, Agreement is easier than the European. And I would just say that there's the, the main concern that I've had is I don't want any exclusions. So I think as long as we have no exclusions, and a lot of these ag products, they are difficult, and they're difficult for Japan. And I think we should all recognize that. Um, but as long as nothing's taken off the table and you give plenty of time, like we found out with NAFTA, uh, as we got two-thirds of the way through the tariff reductions, both sides were saying, well, we decided to get rid of these these now. And so hopefully that would be the, the case. So real long phase-out time. I want to pick up on the statement about uh, how the U.S. might water down certain negotiating objectives in order to get to the goal line. Uh, the state-owned enterprise chapter is really important and um, <coughs> very tough sledding. I mean, they finally, I think, have all countries at least talking about the proposal as opposed to just saying no. But, uh, boy, that's important for American business competing with SOEs in their own home market, third country markets, and now this market. Uh, in the steel industry, we have state-owned enterprise steel companies setting up uh, in the United States, and if they have the same advantages <coughs> that they had at home here, it's going to be very hard to compete with them. Yeah, so that's why I think it's so, it's so necessary to educate members on what's going on. But there's just no, there's really, even though we have these two major agreements that are going, that are being negotiated right now, you know, the Congress is really just, and, and look, I mean, we, we are a little bit like little kids soccer around, you know, we just follow the ball, you know, that's Congress, right? We just move around. So, you know, if the president came out and gave a big speech and came over here and said, we're gonna do a trade agreement next week, all of a sudden we'd be all focusing on that. But in the trade aspect of this, it doesn't help you in, if you don't have members engaged in, in your issues. And, um, and look, we've got a whole host of issues just like that that are starting to reach this, the pinnacle of having to be where decisions have to be made. And, um, and that's why we're trying to right now go out on, on TPA and see if we can get the votes to see you know, if that's a way where we can steer the administration uh, in the right direction and have them actually listen to the Congress. Oh, good. Go ahead. I'll wait till the end. Um, how do you see things playing out over the next week or two on that extension? Oh, what? You're looking at me now. <laughs> <laughs> you got us into this mess, so you get us out. Uh, my, my view is, uh, well, first of all, we got to resolve CR. Well, I, I really think we're going to cave on that today or early tomorrow. So, and and. The cave premise will be we need to focus on the debt ceiling. Debt ceiling is the only place we had any, just a millimeter of leverage anyway. We had none on the CR. I mean, all of this is pretty predictable, but I won't editorialize here. Um, and so I think we'll. Don't worry, it's off the record. 
<laughs> yeah, I've been in that position before. Uh, and uh, uh, where were we again? <laughs> so uh, now we, we we can start focusing on the debt, debt ceiling, but I don't know where that ends up. And frankly, I know they've done a hard line on the 17th, but we all know that was just a dart thrown on a date. So if it goes to the 18th or the 19th, that actually helps us with leverage and, you know, the markets aren't going to crash, the world's not going to end. So I'd rather get to CR, to debt ceiling as quickly as possible. And I, I just don't know, and we'll see if any of the, the mood change at the conference. I, I just think this could go on a little longer because... Uh, there's so many of our members, at least enough, that are, where you have the tail wagging the dog, that think that you know their way is right, and that you know, that somehow it's possible to not win the Senate, not win the White House, and then govern. So, as I told one of the reporters today, they asked if we were going to be successful, and I said no. She said, "Why not?" And I said, "Well, because I can count." <laughs> well, definitely. <laughs>